Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story all about finding somebody's real birth parents. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I almost killed my dad. Toxic and destructive family relationships seem to be more than healthy ones these days, and I think that says something about the entire institution of marriage and what it stands for. I'm a 35-year-old man, and I have a family of my own, a gorgeous wife, and three kids that I would give my life for. I've gone to therapy for nearly 10 years now, and I've built myself to a place where being toxic is literally not part of my DNA anymore. I would have never remembered this story if a fake half-sibling didn't email me to let me know about a memorial service for my very much alive father. My father, I'll call him Bill, was a big shot in his youth. He was extremely handsome and an athlete, so he was really popular with the girls, and because of the mentality that he could always get any girl he wanted, he treated women like absolute crap. He was the kind of man that was a nice guy until you started dating him. And then when you've broken up with him and try to tell everyone the kind of person he really is, nobody believes you because they know him as the nicest guy in the area. He continued with that all through high school and into college where he first met my mother. She was an athlete for a different sport, but they barely interacted with each other because she wasn't my dad's type. My father liked women who were big fans of his and would do embarrassing things like fight or beg for him if he asked them to. My mother came from a much richer family of lawyers, and she claimed not to be as bright as them, so her main focus was on sports, so that she could make a name for herself in sports the way they had in law. My parents didn't start interacting with each other until one big summer party that they attended, before they were meant to go for the summer holidays. After the party, a bunch of them got into one person's SUV and started the drive back to campus. Unfortunately, the driver was drunker than he thought and they got into an accident. No one died, but everyone was mildly affected. Everyone but my parents. Theirs were so bad that amputation was considered if there was no improvement. They were hospital buddies for a while, and when physical therapy started, they were often paired beside each other. When you're around someone for that long, you can't help but warm up to them. It turned out that they had the same major and a lot of things in common and they soon became friends. Their romantic relationship started after college, and five years after graduation, they got married. My dad never wanted kids. He made sure to tell me all the time after I was born, but my mother came from a very big family and wanted to recreate the relationship that her family had with her own kids. My dad's reasoning was that he too had a lot of siblings, and with parents who liked and chose only a few of their children to focus on. He unfortunately wasn't among the chosen ones and struggled with rejection. My parents did drugs together. They used it to cope after both of their accidents, and after some time, it just became something that bonded them closer together. After college, they got day jobs so that they could continue using as regularly as possible. 
They were high-functioning users, so nobody could really tell. My mother had to stop when she started trying for kids, and it upset my dad greatly, because he had to stop as well. When my mom got pregnant and withdrawals started to hit her hard, my dad went through it with her. After my birth, my mother went into a very, very heavy depression, and my father was left to take care of me. He hated every second of it and somehow blamed me for everything. He was incredibly aggressive towards me and saved it for me alone as I grew up. I have four siblings and my father loved each and every one of them equally, but he treated me like I was the sole reason for all the disasters on earth. With a kind and gentle mother and an aggressive father, I grew up in a very confusing household. I witnessed my dad be gentle with my mother and all my siblings but he treated me like I was an outsider. In elementary school, I got into some trouble with a classmate and my parents were called. My mother couldn't make it because she had to be at a sibling sporting event, and so my father came instead. What I did wasn't serious enough for the kind of punishment I got after. My parents believed in sparing the rod and spoiling the child, so if we misbehaved to a certain extent, we would get smacked. My father took it to another level and hurt me so badly that I had to go to the hospital later. A few of my teeth loosened up, both my eyes were purple and bruised, and I was swollen up all over. I was about 9 or 10 at the time. Unfortunately, it became a regular occurrence, getting beat up at the slightest opportunity for no reason. My mother never really directly did anything, but she always cleaned my wounds after, assuring me that she loved me and my dad did too, even if he didn't show it. When middle school began, I was a scrawny little thing who had no interest in sports or anything that involved moving too much. I liked comics, art, and punk rock music. My father thought I was an embarrassing as a first son because of the things I liked and he made sure to let me know on the way to school, making my younger siblings join in and making fun of me. If they refused, he attacked them as well. As the years went by, I withdrew and kept to myself, becoming a person who had a lot of pent-up anger. It didn't help that I was also a late bloomer and my two younger brothers began to look bigger than me at one point. When I was a freshman, the school's basketball coach picked me out of the blue to join the team. I had never picked up a ball of any kind before and I was so confused, but he was patient with me, helping me figure out the sport with a lot of gentleness. He also signed me up for a few self-defense classes during the weekends just so I had something to do. Somehow, my basketball coach was more of a father figure than my own father had been all my life. Back at home, my parents had started using again. I had no idea until I was 15 and facing my very first growth spurt. I was a little bit of a hot dog, but since I shared a room with two brothers, there was hardly any privacy. Hardly anyone used the basement, so I did my business there. On a fateful day, I went to the basement to do my business, and I caught the unmistakable whiff of marijuana. At the time, I didn't know what it was, but I knew I'd smelled it before. After then, I would just randomly spot syringes or white powder on random surfaces, and very thinly rolled dollar bills. I kept those for myself, and they were probably the only reason I went to the basement every day. They were always $100 bills too. After nearly two months of this, I finally spoke to the coach, and he flat out told me that my parents were doing drugs. It suddenly explained why they were always tired in the evenings and left me to be on dinner duty by myself. It also explained my father's new aggression. He was just always aggravated, and this time it was toward both my siblings and I. 
The day that I knew there would be cause for alarm was when he started to hit my siblings. Anyone could be a victim at any time. At this time, I was 17 and taller than everyone at home. Thanks to basketball and kickboxing, I'd also developed some muscle mass. The first time my father and I had a physical altercation that I wasn't a scrawny little kid anymore was when he hit the youngest kid at home for not asking him if he wanted dinner early or late. She was just nine years old, so it was a very unnecessary altercation. I stood between her and him, and he punched me in the jaw. I pushed him away from me and he staggered. I saw a lot of hate in his eyes, but he just walked away. The second time he was yelling at my mom, and they were both intoxicated, he reached out to hit her, but my brother was right there to hold his hand. He directed his anger to the poor kid and punched him in the gut, starting to attack him. I separated them and took my mother and brother away to be tended to. After the encounter, my father apologized to everyone else besides me, of course. I was just happy for whatever the heck was happening to be over. Either there were no physical altercations for a long time, or I wasn't told about them while I was in college. But the biggest one happened when I was back for the last summer before I was to graduate. I was about 21, and I'd taken a job as a lifeguard at the local water park. It was a great job that paid abnormally high, and so I was barely home. Things were good for the first month, until my father decided that he wanted to act crazy again. He and my mother were supposed to be going to rehab and therapy for their drug problem because my mom wanted more kids and just wanted to be clean. The only thing was that my dad had been using behind her. She had found out that particular day and was yelling at him, and he decided that he would shut her up the only way his drug-addled brain knew how, by hitting her. I don't know how long they'd been at it, but I was home early from getting ready for a party when I heard someone screaming for the basement. I went down there and saw my dad just sitting on top of my mother and hitting her. I got so mad and I didn't know when I pulled him off her and started going at him. For me, everything went blank. There was just a lot of anger that I'd been storing up and it all finally exploded that day. I was pulled off my father and he was barely recognizable, unconscious, and missing two teeth. It was at that moment that I knew that I needed help. If I kept that kind of anger stored inside of me, I would be worse than my father. Right after the incident, my mother gave me her keys and asked me to get out of town. It was a little dramatic of her in my opinion, but after beating your father up to near death, I'm sure your mom would be scared too. I only returned to the house once to pick up the rest of my belongings and drop off my mother's car after the whole thing. From what I heard, my father was in a coma for nearly a week lost three of his teeth and had one broken rib. Not too long after, my parents got a divorce and my dad moved in with a much younger girl into her trailer where they did drugs together. My mother got with my high school basketball coach and they had three more kids of their own and they run a foster home and animal sanctuary. My father is flat broke and emails us through different emails to ask for small favors like money for his next high and so forth. Not gonna lie, I kind of wonder, did OP's mom and the high school coach have a little something going on behind the scenes? Like, why did the coach go and take OP in, kind of, and give them a... Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market fatherly type figure and then also when the coast is clear get with the mom also hi i'm steven and if you enjoy crazy stories of revenge why not hit that subscribe button down below that said our next story is finding my real parents i saw a thread on adoptive parents yesterday and for the first time yesterday it made me chuckle a lot because of how much i related to nearly everything it came to my notice that for fear of being seen as ungrateful I overlooked most of these things and pretended to be okay with it. Seeing other people talk about the abuse they went through as adoptees has encouraged me to share my own story, and boy is it a lot. I'm currently a 23-year-old woman, and I work in retail and lead a very comfortable life by myself. I never really thought I'd even live alone because my adopted family was very big on familial ideals and doing things together as a unit until I broke out of the mix. My adopted mother's fake name is Jill, and my adopted father's name is Rob, and they got me when they were in their early 30s and traveling around the world. In their own recount of the story, I was a tiny little thing that had been abandoned on the side of the road and wrapped in tons of fabric and a plastic bag and left to die. They had heard my cries and, as the good, kind-hearted people they were, they immediately picked me up and took me to the nearest hospital. Jill and Rob were already having issues with getting pregnant before they met me, and the trip they went on was supposed to be a vacation to help their relationship. It just seemed like the right thing to do, adopting an abandoned child from an East African country and taking them home with you. Now, before I proceed, I would just like to mention that I had zero ideas that I was adopted, or the country that I came from, or anything about me until I was properly a teenager. I did look for adoption papers or anything that would prove that I had a history, but there was only one picture of me in a blue swaddle cloth laying in one of those hospital cots. The name of the hospital was in the picture, but when I tried to do some research, I found that they had closed down. Having Jill and Bob as parents was an eventful ride. They used to live in an all-white neighborhood with picket fences and no neighbors who had even slightly darker skin. When I came into the picture, they moved out of the neighborhood to one with more black people so they would know how to raise me, do my hair, and so on. They were amazing for the first three years of my life, until Jill got pregnant. It was an exciting time for everyone, and they decided that it was time to move back into their former neighborhood. At this time, I started getting neglected because Jill and Bob were busy preparing for their new baby. On numerous occasions, I was forgotten at school or at the place where I went for a playdate. It was beginning to happen too often, and so a teacher from my preschool went to speak to my adoptive parents. I don't know the details of the conversation between my teacher, but she became my babysitter. She was a gorgeous African-American woman who called everyone honey and had the longest, curliest hair I'd ever seen. She braided my hair during the weekends, helped Jill with some housework, and generally made sure that I was okay. 
My little brother Kyle was born a month after I turned four years old, and I was already obsessed with him. He was born with a few health issues, but it was nothing that couldn't be handled. Jill, on the other hand, was diagnosed with postnatal depression, and she neglected him a lot. Rob worked a lot, so it was just Jill, my preschool teacher turned nanny, and I. My nanny took care of Kyle and me and making sure we were clothed, bathed, and fed while making sure that Jill didn't unalive herself as well. Not too long after Kyle's birth, Jill got pregnant again and birthed twins. I was roughly five or six at this point, and I already had my hands full with younger siblings. Somehow, I went from being a child to being a small servant for them, learning to change diapers and sleeping in the same room as the baby so I could stay awake for when they needed their midnight feeding. My nanny was the only person who understood that I was being treated less like a child, but somehow she was the only other person who understood what it was like to be in my position. On my 13th birthday, my preschool teacher turned nanny turned family babysitter asked me if I knew about my birth family. Now, while my parents had never outrightly told me that I was adopted, it didn't take me long to figure that part out. We were on the opposite ends of the skin color line, our hair textures were so different, and the neighbors always liked to pretend that I didn't exist. I let the babysitter know that we never really had a conversation about it, and it had never really seemed like the right time to ask. She urged me that I was old enough to know where I came from and told me to suck it up and ask them. She also gifted me hair products and skincare products and some makeup and clothes. Before I could have the discussion with Jill and Rob, Jill called me into her room one day and asked me if we could talk. I sat down and she asked me if I would be okay with getting my hair relaxed. I had long, thick, curly hair that I absolutely adored and thanks to the babysitter, knew how to style as well. I refused and she looked visibly dissatisfied with my answer. I questioned why and she let me know that she wanted me to look more like them. Everyone in the family had dark hair like me, but theirs was between wavy and straight, while I had lots of curls. I mentioned that whether I was adopted or not, they were still my family, and Jill looked like I had just stabbed her in the forehead. And then she asked how I found out that I was adopted. It was a silly question, and I thought she was kidding, so I laughed. She didn't find my laughter funny and started to yell, demanding to know who told me that I was adopted. In my shock, I mentioned that no one told me anything, but the babysitter and I had a conversation about it. She must have thought that I said the babysitter told me, because that was the last week she came to the house. With the babysitter gone, all of the housework was now left for me to do alone. It was as if my mentioning that I knew I was adopted was the most hurtful thing I could ever do to her, and she was punishing me with housework. After two weeks of sleeping at school every day because I barely got enough sleep with taking full care of three kids, I decided to speak to the woman who was supposed to be my mother. I let her know that I was constantly exhausted and always tired and that I needed a break from being the sole caretaker of my siblings. Without letting her speak, I also added that I'd always known that I was adopted because we had very different skin tones and hair types and all the neighbors still looked at me weird after so many years and that I would like to know about my birth family. It was then that she told me the whole story about finding me on the streets and taking me to the hospital. It was then that she also gave me a picture of me as a baby. Her story checked out, and I didn't feel too bad about my birth family not wanting me, seeing as I ended up in a much better place than other children in the same position as me. Still, I kept the image and showed it to my now ex-babysitter Kayla. I could tell right away that she didn't believe a word about what Jill said, and behind my back, 
She posted the picture of me as a baby, as well as the hospital that I was born in, asking if anyone knew anything about it. It wasn't until I turned 16 that I got a call from my ex-babysitter, who had become a substitute teacher at my high school, just for the sole purpose of keeping in touch with me and making sure I was okay, that she needed to see me. I hurried over to her office, and she showed me a few responses to the post that she made on Facebook, as well as a matching picture that she found. The matching picture was posted by a woman who said in her post that I would have turned 16 that year and that she wished every day that I was safe. I was confused and so I took it upon myself to call the woman. We spoke for a few days and I asked about some details to make sure that she wasn't a scammer. As soon as Kayla and I were comfortable with the information we received, I lied about a school camp to Jill and Rob, but Kayla and I went out of town for a weekend so that we could meet up with this woman who claimed to be my mother. The second she walked in, I knew that woman had to be my mother. We had similar faces, body types, and everything. I looked like her slightly younger doppelganger. After pleasantries, I asked for details of how I went missing, and she said that after I was born, the doctors had come to ask her if she was willing to sell her baby because she was a single teen mom. When she refused, they let her sleep and then took the baby without her consent, paying her some money after she was threatened to keep quiet. She used up the money to move to the US because that was the only thing she knew about the couple that intended to buy her child in the beginning. Everything made sense, and I was so angry with Jill and Rob that I wanted to report them to the police, but I wasn't sure whether it would hold up, considering the crime was committed in a different country and there was nothing reported over the years. My birth mother and Kayla asked me to let it go and just move out of the house, but I couldn't because I had younger siblings that I would give my heart and soul for. They were the sweetest siblings anyone could ever have, and Jill and Rob didn't treat them any better than they treated me. They had developed an alcohol problem together, so it was very regular for them to do things and not remember the things that they did. Even my adopted siblings didn't like their parents anymore so I made a plan with Kyle, my 13-year-old brother, and we both agreed to frame both Rob and Jill. They had left us to go to a church conference for a week with barely any money, groceries at home, so Kyle and I bruised ourselves up and went by the police station in tears, saying that our parents beat us up and locked us up in the house, and that we escaped after a kind stranger helped us out. The police ate it all up, and soon CPS was involved in the whole case. We were removed from the house and kept in foster care with a stranger until we were able to ask Kayla to foster us. During this time, my relationship with my birth mother strengthened and she and Kayla became closer friends. Rob and Jill fought to get their kids back for a while, promising to do better by us, but I turned 18 and filed for complete emancipation from them. Honestly, I bet there was plenty of evidence for the cops to not only eat it up when OP and them reported it and faked it, because it wasn't too far from what really was happening to them. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy nuclear revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 